London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, open makes more possible. everybody we are back kings of the podcast episode q33 coming to you live from the peter kanko studios here in beautiful southern california i am john hoven dennis bernstein joins me as always db let's do this again i know this guy this guy and you'll fill in the gaps but but this guy is actually still playing correct uh, Peter Kenko was playing. I'm not sure if he's actually playing this season, you know, this weird sort of uh, COVID type situation. But yeah, he's a, an interesting cat. He was drafted by the LA Kings, of course, back in uh, the 2002 NHL draft. He was taken in the third round. So number 66 overall. He only played 10 games with the LA Kings, Dennis. But here's the thing. You talk about the progression of a prospect. So he played in the OHL for Kitchener, and then he played in Manchester in the uh, American Hockey League for a couple of years, and uh, then he eventually gets called up to the LA Kings in the 05-06 season. He only played 10 games for the Kings. That very first game, though, he scored his only NHL goal. So he, come, he gets called up December 16th that season. He plays against the Ducks, so you're talking about a big rivalry uh, game, and he scores a goal, and that ends up being the only goal that he scores. So over the next nine games... Uh, by January 7th, he had gone pointless. Not, not only just goalless, he had gone pointless. And um, the Kings had pretty much, I guess, at that point, seen enough. He goes back to the American League. Uh, he plays there and then plays out the string, eventually even gets a game in in the ECHL. And then starting in 08-09, he's off to Europe, and he plays over in the Czech League. Uh, like you said, I, I think he's potentially even still playing. So Peter Kenko, a name that uh, longtime Kings fans might remember, and if you're if you're curious what the connection was uh, here, Dennis, and how does that relate to our guest today, which is Mikey Acemont, uh, college hockey player out of St. Cloud. There's not really much of a connection. I was just grasping at random straws, um, bec- and and where I ended up on this was, uh, I think Mikey has been wearing number forty eight 
in the in the Kings training camps. And uh, so there were only three players that have ever worn 48. I don't even think that's ultimately going to be Mikey's number when he makes the NHL, but I was just trying to have some fun. Um, there were three players that have worn that number. Peter Kenko was one of them. Of course, all the Lochte lovers out there will remind me that uh, uh, Lochteanoff was one of the other players. So that that's... That's what's going on there, uh, Dennis. But look, a couple of other news and notes before we move along here and, um, and we bring him in. We are, um, we are recording this today uh, and on this uh, today, of course, but on December 9th, Dennis, I, should, I guess I should have mentioned. And on this day, in, <laughs> that was kind of, yeah, we're recording it today, of course. Um, but on this exact day, this very specific day, uh, December 9th, back in 1986, Luke Robitaille scored his first career hat trick. He ended up having 45 goals that year, Dennis, and he had 84 points. He became the first rookie in LA Kings history to lead the team in scoring. And so the reason that stood out to me is, you know, that's potentially something that could happen again. Not Luke making a comeback, but you could see a rookie leading the LA Kings in scoring here uh, either this this season coming up or even one of the coming seasons in the future years with all of this talent coming into the organization. How crazy would that be to see a rookie lead this team in scoring? think that would be uh great if somebody took the mantle from the uh the current core so yeah i think that would be amazing and john i i, I couldn't agree with you more i think uh, next season or two you're gonna have one of these kids emerge and be a top scorer in the end yeah now and if you're wondering where that data uh comes from i do just want to mention um the king Storian has been posting a daily article puts out some great content and it's i think a wonderful addition to mayor's manor so i encourage all the listeners to read that daily article this day in king's history you can read it on mayorsmanor.com obviously we tweet it out um and he shares things from the organization's 50 plus year history it's a super easy read and it's a lot of fun uh and he has video links in there sometimes and pictures and sort of uh references to players that you you, you probably have long since forgotten about and so it's just a fun little five minutes to uh to get caught up and, and db in the shameless plug department one other thing that's happening on mayorsmanor.com the reverse retro cup now we haven't announced this yet publicly so db you'll be the first to hear this the finals are set baby yes. after after uh the first round the second round the conference finals all of the votes thousands and thousands of votes that have come in for each of these rounds it's finally been determined not that surprising in the western conference the la kings uh, they were they defeated Colorado. I'm going to get to that in a second. They defeated Colorado to advance into the reverse retro cup final. And on the other side of the bracket in the Eastern Conference, Carolina defeated Montreal, uh, which I disagreed with personally. I also disagreed with the fact that the, the Capitals lost earlier. I've been reluctant to give my opinions until after this was all over, DB. But since the teams that I was interested in, uh, the jerseys, I should, should say, that I was interested in, they've been eliminated. I can comment now. I, I think the Washington one is beautiful. Um, yes. The Montreal one is, is equally gorgeous as well. But um, what, where I wanted to go with this, Dennis, is I'm just curious on your take because when I sit there and I look at the fact that the Kings just defeated Colorado, which was really, they defeated the Quebec Nordique jersey, and and now they're going to go into the cup final against Carolina, which is really the Hartford Whalers jersey, I sit there and go, well, wait a minute. So what you're telling me is that the LA Kings reverse retro jersey is the best among real teams, meaning that they just took out Quebec and they're, <laughs> and they're going to be facing Hartford. These aren't even right. real teams playing in the NHL, so... At, that's not even really like a fair comparison in my mind. What do you think about that? That's a great call out, Jay. I didn't even realize that looking at it. Yeah, I, I just think that, hey, if you want to go all the way back in reverse, then yeah, you're going to beat those two teams. But I, I also mean, I think it's just the strength of of what the branding that the Kings did with respect to this jersey. 
Yeah, well, look, they took perhaps the most popular jersey. If you kind of figure that there have been four iterations, if you will, of the team's right. jersey, there was the original purple and gold crown, forum blue and gold. Sorry, people, don't tweet me. The blue, the original purple <laughs> and gold crown, and then you had the, the Gretzky era uh, jersey, and then you had the uh, original Staples Center, uh, Staples Center jersey, as I refer to it, which is that, that initial shield, and then the more current uh, jersey. So if you want to think of four different iterations of of the main crest on the front of the jersey, um, they took the, the by you know by all accounts the most popular of all of those, which was the Gretzky era jersey, and then they gave the team or gave the fans purple, which they've been asking for for a long time, and they really knocked it out of the park. I would agree with you. I do want to mention one other thing about these uh, jerseys, DB. I tweeted this, and I know not everybody is on Twitter, but there was a a tweet just the other day that um, highlighted the top selling jerseys through NHL.com, which is NHLshop.com and NHLshop.canada, and it listed the Capitals first, the Rangers second, the Ducks third, the Avalanche fourth, the Coyotes fifth. And on the surface, you go, wow, that's really interesting because not only here in the reverse retro cup on mayorsmanor.com, but all of these media articles where people were um, telling you who their favorite jerseys were, and even the feedback coming in was that people, by and large, loved the Kings jerseys. And I tweeted, I noted this, that while that data is accurate, it does paint a little bit of a misleading picture when you look at just the sales at NHLshop.com. And the reason for that is the LA Kings, they sort of hoarded the sales to themselves uh, in the first batch of reverse retro jerseys. So initially to order them, you pre-ordered them through the Team LA store. So those sales figures are missing from that data. Uh, and basically the sales have been so strong at Team LA and checking with my sources, they're nearly sold out of their initial allotment of those jerseys. And then on top of that, they're directing people and plugging and whatnot and linking to the Adidas store, which carries their own inventory as well. And so um, off air, I was mentioning to you that to me, this is like saying, hey, the new Metallica CD just came out and reporting the sales at Best Buy and, and ignoring all of the other retail locations. That's great that that's the number one selling you know, item at, at a particular retailer, but that doesn't account for all of the jerseys that were sold in totality. So I think it paints a, a misleading picture about jersey sales. And Jay, is, I went on the site um, and it looks like they only are offering a non-numbered, non-player and a Kopitar jersey. Are they offering other, other players as well or just Kopi at this time? I, I, I can't say this for sure, Dennis, because I did not happen to go on there in the very beginning. But if memory serves me correctly, I do think that they had a Dowdy that was available and maybe even a Jonathan Quick. Um, I could be wrong about that. And I know that there also are a lot of fans out there that want to eventually get their jerseys customized if they ordered it blank and they want to get their own individual player. Um there's even been some talk. People have tweeted me and stuff about jersey fouls and whatnot. And people are like, well, I want to get Byfield. Well, hold, hold on, people. If Byfield's not expected to make the club this year, um, you know, technically he might not ever wear that jersey. So that, that does annoy me. Like people that wear a Gretzky 99 with the current black and silver jersey, that's annoying. People that wore a Wayne Gretzky Coyotes jersey when he was the coach there, you know, that's annoying. Like... If you want to get a Byfield jersey, you, you probably want to get one of the black, white, or silver jerseys because that's what he's definitely going to be wearing at some point. Um, and if you want to get the reverse retro and you want to get Byfield, my own personal advice, listeners, would be to hold on and just pump the brakes a little bit. Go ahead and get your reverse retro jersey now before they sell out because they are limited edition jerseys. So you want to get it 
Uh, and then, you know, wait and see. And if Byfield eventually plays in that jersey, because the other thing, Dennis, is they're only scheduled to wear these jerseys in, I believe, two games. Now, that might change with the with the NHL schedule this year or whatnot. And who knows? Maybe this program has been so successful, they'll extend it to the second year. But as it stands right now, not only does Byfield have to make the roster, but he also has to play in those two particular games where they're going to wear the jersey. So if you're if you're looking to be as authentic as possible, you might want to. You might want to cool the Jets there a little bit. All right, but enough about the jerseys and what might happen in the upcoming season. Dennis, we have some Kings news and notes to share in the third period. We also are going to have a a contest coming up, which we have not tweeted out yet, uh, but we we will break all the news about our contest coming up in the third period. Before we do, though, let's just take a quick look. Our guest that's coming on today is Mikey Asimon. As I mentioned earlier, he was drafted by the LA Kings back in 2016. He played some USHL hockey with the Fargo Force. He actually crossed paths for uh, a, a game or two with Alex Iafalo. Maybe we'll talk with them about that. And then he played uh, his college hockey, of course, at St. Cloud State, which is a an unaffili- unaffiliated feeder uh, team into the LA Kings. A number of prospects have come through there, including uh, David Rennick, who we had on the program recently, the Karate Kid. Uh, and of course, over the last couple of seasons, he's played for the Ontario Reign, where he was coached by Mike Stuthers. So we'll talk about Stutz. We'll talk about the Ontario Reign. He's changed agents. We have all sorts of stuff to talk with Mikey Aceman about. He's at a pivotal point in his career as he tries this upcoming season to crack the National Hockey League uh, roster. So on the other side of it, Mikey Acemont. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, open makes more possible. All right, welcome back, Kings of the Podcast. Second period, we are joined now by one of the LA Kings rising prospects. We'll talk about that as we get through this interview here. Mikey Acemont. Now, did I get that right, Mikey? Yeah, that's that's, that's the correct pronunciation. Yeah, because Thanks for having me. Well, only recently have I learned that I'm going to need to reprogram my brain. I've been calling you Isimont or Acemont, and uh, so yeah, I have to get it get it straight is what we're working on. Lucas Perik, the goaltender uh, that the Kings took in the draft a couple years ago, he's causing havoc for all of us with pronunciations, you know, so uh, we're, we're getting used to it. We're getting used to it. Speaking with name things, though... Um, Let's just get this out of the way right up front, okay? Uh, when you and Mikey Anderson were both together in Ontario, that was too many Mikeys. So I need to know when are you gonna when are you gonna change? When is it? When does Mikey become Mike, or when does it become Michael, or is it just Mikey and we're gonna have to live with it? I think ever since I uh, turned got into my twenties, I've uh, people started asking that, and uh, I keep I kept saying I was gonna switch to Mike or Michael, but uh, at this point, I think I'm stuck with Mikey uh, for the long haul. Well, would you like us? To, we can we can help you. We, we can we can go and and get part of the whole rebranding process. Yeah, uh, so we can do it right I'll, here I'll on Kings. About of the, it. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to my people and okay. <laughs> uh, and we'll see what we want to do with my brand, and then uh, and then if if you want to make the change, uh, I'll. I'll uh, I'll hit you up. Perfect. So yes, if you want to make the change, shoot me a text, and then I will just 
you know, help you with that and we'll, we'll rebrand you and it'll be, uh, it'll be great. But look, your body of work is rather interesting. Um, so let's, let's back up a little bit. From what I understand, you grew up in Colorado and eventually ended up in Minnesota at St. Cloud State, which is really where you surfaced on our radar. Um, just tell us a little bit about growing up in Colorado and how you eventually ended up in Minnesota. Yeah, born and raised in uh, Littleton, Colorado, playing um, <clears throat> travel hockey for the Colorado Thunderbirds. Didn't have high school. Um, it wasn't as big out there. So, um, you know, a lot of my, my groups of friends back home are uh, from all across the state. And uh, grew up playing competitive AAA hockey. Um, by the time I was 16, I had moved uh, to the Midwest for Fargo, kind of a little town in Fargo and Sioux Falls, and then obviously St. Cloud. So, I've been in the Midwest quite a bit. Some people say I've picked up a little bit of an accent. Uh, definitely started to like some of the sports teams out there. But, um, yeah, sometimes for fun, I'll just say I'm from uh, Minnesota uh, to random people in an elevator or something like that just just to switch it up. Yeah, it also just makes things easier if you don't want to talk to those people and you just keep your story short that way, right? I'm from, yeah, I'm from Minnesota. Exactly. <laughs> what uh, exactly. you said, fans of the sports team. So we've been talking a lot about that during this off season. Uh, we had Arthur Kaliev on recently, and he was explaining about being a Raider fan. But uh, we were able to convert him from a Mets fan to a Dodgers fan. Uh, wh- where do you land okay. on all this? Are you a Vikings fan? Are you a Twins fan? What's your uh, where are your allegiances? Well, uh, Broncos, Vikings, uh, Rockies, Twins. Avalanche. Uh, I grew up loving the Avalanche, and uh, now I'm a bit of a Kings fan, you could say. Um, but uh, definitely came to love the Dodgers as well, living out here. Um, Rams over Chargers. Uh, yeah, that pretty much covers all the major sports. It does. It does. When I, I'm not going to go all the way down the list, but there's a brand new professional rugby team that is starting up here. Dennis, I don't even know if you know this. Uh, the, the, the word just came out in the last couple of days. There's a new rugby team, I guess, in Los Angeles. So now we're not only going to have to do talk about soccer, but we'll have to eventually get to rugby. But that's okay. So Broncos. All right. That's good. So you kept your you kept your childhood uh, team there. And I, I guess the Vikings, although uh, uh, David Rennick, one of your uh, you know, fellow Huskies, yeah. uh, he, he recently told us that although there's a picture floating around of him on Twitter from head to toe Minnesota Vikings gear, I think he's wearing like a beanie and like a, a, a jersey and all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, he did that just to get free tickets to the game. He's actually a fan of either the Giants or the Jets. I forget, Dennis, which one it was. But uh, yeah, yeah he, he's, he wasn't even a Vikings fan. He just wore all the gear to get free tickets to a game. That's that's a good play by him, I think. Uh, I've definitely started to dislike the Vikings more as the Broncos' struggles have gotten worse and my uh, Minnesota friends have gotten on my nerves a little more. But, uh, yeah, diehard Broncos fan isn't the main thing. Uh, um, but uh, school bikes, I guess. Okay, so you were worrying me there for a minute when you said you started, it sounded like separate from the Broncos during their struggles. Don't be a bandwagon fan. Don't be like Paul Bissonette and just well, get the wagon you, going. You win the Super Bowl. We haven't made the playoffs since, uh, since we won the Super Bowl, so it's uh, starting to get I, I love the I love the, uh, the Denver Broncos, but I'm not a fan of the organization right now Okay, and uh, where they're headed. Are you an Elway hater then? Is that what's going on? That's, uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm first. This is the first time I've publicly, publicly announced that I'm an Elway hater. Wow, okay. <laughs> See, I grew up loving Elway as a quarterback and as a player, so I probably give him a little bit. Yeah, so I probably give him a little bit uh, more rope. I, I was fortunate enough to be at that Super Bowl in uh, – in, well, it was in San Jose or Santa Rosa, whatever you want to call it, up in Northern California. I, I disowned the, the, the top half of the state. I'm born and raised in Southern California, the better half of the state. But anyway, uh, fantastic game. Uh, of course, still 
still weird to me that Peyton Manning ever played for the Broncos. But look, this is a hockey podcast, so let's get back to talking about hockey. Um, you All did right. you did play with uh, several other Kings prospects while you were there at St. Cloud. Um, we can talk about those guys in a minute. I'm just curious, was this yep. one of your, your bigger moments um, in going back and checking through my notes? March 11th, 2018, you score the goal in overtime that sends St. Saints, uh, Saints Cloud to the frozen faceoff the following weekend. Was that one of the, one of the key highlights for you in your college career? Um, yeah, that was the good thing. It was against Miami of Ohio. Um, huge game for us, and Miami outplayed us for a bit of the game, and we knew we were better than them. Um, but, yeah, that's a, it's a distant memory, but definitely one of my uh, highly favored ones from uh, school. Um, one of those clutch moments that uh, kind of I came to play, and um, I'll always remember that, that game. Yeah. Well, we're going to go deep into your memory break. We're going to talk about back when you were an eight-year-old playing and stuff like I'm just kidding. We're not going to go that far back. Um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll stick with college. Um, let's see. Uh, a couple guys we had on the podcast recently. We had Blake Lazat on the podcast recently, and you had an opportunity yep. to play with him. Now, of course, he was not drafted by the Kings. Were you surprised at all when you saw him sign with L.A.? Were you excited by it? And just, you know, what sort of memories do you have of, of Blake Lazat, the college hockey player? Well, I remember talking to him and a few other guys on the team at the time um, about the process he was going through. And obviously, I think, I believe he had some, uh, some um, and uh, when he signed with the Kings, I was very excited, you know, him being a linemate of mine and definitely a guy that uh, I just root for, um, just the type of guy he is. So uh, I, was, I was very excited for him. Uh, David Rennick. I knew he'd love it here, too. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the last part? Oh, I was just saying I knew that uh, this was, this would be a good fit for him, and obviously that's uh, been the case so far. Yeah, it's been pretty phenomenal. I mean, you just you see this this kid come in, and really almost an afterthought when you're putting the roster together for the upcoming or the you know last NHL season, but at the time the upcoming NHL season, and then he just uh, he came in and, and had that focus and dedication and commitment right from the very beginning there at, at rookie camp, and uh, ends up making the roster, and and we'll have to see where where his NHL career goes. Uh, David Rennick, the goaltender at St. Cloud, who just by the way uh, tied the record at St. Cloud with his 51st win in goal the other night. Um, he was a team. He was a teammate of yours, and uh, I guess at one point, according to what you told me previously, he bought you a wardrobe. So we were sure to ask him about that uh, when he was on the program. Oh, and yeah. just he was one hell of a guest. I have to tell you, probably the best guest we've ever had on the program. And uh, I can only imagine what it was like being around him on a day to day basis. Just uh, always fun, and uh, always has some sort of a crazy story. I would imagine. Yeah, I caught I caught a clip of that podcast. It sounds pretty interesting. Uh, I think that's a, a good word to describe him. Um, and he's just, uh, he's a great guy to have in the locker room. Um, I can't say enough about his, uh, his work ethic and dedication. I think that kind of goes more unnoticed, uh, having, you know, just a, such a big personality, um, being from Europe too, but the way he takes care of his body, the way he works on his craft, it's, uh, it was fun to watch a young guy come in and, and uh, and have that already. Now, it's going to be interesting this year because the Kings, back to the uh, signings, the, the, the organization has signed a, a pair of guys that, that you know uh, in the Paling Brothers or the Paling Sisters, as you have referred to them. Yeah. Um, what's it going to be like having them around uh, the rain this year? Oh, uh, I, can't, I can't wait to have them here. Uh, they're, they're definitely, they were you know, two of my closest buddies uh, in college. Um, you know, they'll be at my wedding, I'll be at theirs, and I think that they're just uh, a good a good pair of guys to have here. They're um, similar players, but not a uh, not not exactly the same. I think they both bring different um, parts of the game to uh, a team, and uh, I'm excited to see how they fit in. And uh, uh, they're just great guys off the ice too, so they'll be a good fit. 
Now, I apologize. I don't normally keep up with the uh, the the love life of the various players and whatnot. But is that is that a real thing? Are you getting married soon? Oh no, no. I just kind of just explaining like how close we are. Okay, just hypothetically that, uh, speaking. Very, yeah, very hypothetical. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thought you were breaking more news here. Uh, maybe you were engaged. No, I didn't know. No. <laughs> okay. no. Uh, one other quick player to ask you about connected to the St. Cloud program. Of course, you just missed out, I believe, playing with Johnny Brodzinski. Uh, everybody loves Brodzy. Um, and he has a whole army of brothers, of course, that are playing. Uh, one of them is in yeah. Minnesota right now. But Easton, uh, who actually attended King's Prospect, uh, what do we call it? Got development camp, I believe. Uh, Easton Brodzinski is still there with St. Cloud finishing up. And uh, the kid's off to a really great start this season. Just wondering if you have any memories of uh, Easton when you guys were playing together. Um, yeah, from what I hear, he's having a great start to the year. He looks a lot, uh, a lot different, more of a two-way player from what I've heard uh, from from him and some of the guys. He feels uh, a lot more comfortable, and obviously he's an older guy and a leader on that team now. Um, I've got to know him and his brothers pretty well from living in Minneapolis over the summers and working out with them. And uh, it's a, just a great group of guys, those four guys. And, uh, uh, I mean, he's he, we don't have a lot of the same interests. He's a big outdoorsman, fisherman, hunter, and, um, I've never really done any of that stuff being from the metropolitan area of Denver, but, um, I mean, he's, he's taught me a lot of stuff, uh, off the ice. He's a big gamer and kind of got me into it too. And, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely miss that guy and it'd be fun to see him, uh, suit up with him again someday. Well, not, not to disparage him in any way whatsoever, but us, when you mentioned the brothers, I hear that Bryce is probably the best of all of them. Uh, do you have any, any sort of hot take on that one? Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, he's a goofy kid. Uh, he's young and he's, uh, it shows, but I think that, uh, um, his skill is just, he's so naturally skilled at such a good shot, just like uh, the rest of the brothers actually. But, um, yeah, from what I hear, that could be the case, but, uh, I think we'll have to see how his, I think it's his freshman year. And I think with the Gophers, I know he has a good coach there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's going <laughs> to see plenty there and we'll see how long he lasts in college, honestly. Thing. You know, we've had a lot of the, the younger players on prospects and they fall in different areas with respect to uh, getting inked up in tattoos like Turcotte's going crazy. We had Arthur Kaliev on. He will never, ever get a tattoo. We'll see. We'll see. But you have a very I'm not sure what this tattoo is, Mikey. You can explain it. What is that tattoo that, that you retweeted? Is it a bear? Is it what exactly is that? And Yeah, this this. uh Tattoo on my wrist, it's a Grateful Dead dancing bear. Um, I grew up listening to the Grateful Dead with my parents. I still uh, put them on while I cook dinner or lunch and, um, in my living room and uh, just kind of always been a, been a bit of a deadhead. I think I missed, I think I was born a little bit late, but um, always been a big fan of their music and just the history that goes along with uh, who the Grateful Dead were as a band. And um, if you ask me who, uh, what, uh, you know, band means the most to me. I'd say the Grateful Dead. So I figured I'd get this cool tattoo of the dancing bear. So besides a couple t-shirts I have, I have this tattoo with me always. Well, we're going to have to talk music here later in the show as I get to the questions about your new coach, who uh, is a bit of a, a music head. So we'll get to that. Um, first, let's 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 just go through a little bit more of your progression with the Ontario Reign. So you turned pro, and then you played a few games with the Reign at the end of the season. For those that don't remember, you played three games before your fir- first uh, full year in the American Hockey League. And I'm just always curious, for guys that do that, 
Um, when you look back and you and you see those three games, how important was it, uh, or how helpful was it for you to get that immediate introduction to pro hockey before you were able to train that whole summer and get ready? Um, you know, so in other words, is, is that better? Do you think than guys who maybe turn pro and then have to wait three or four months? They're not really sure what to expect from a camp perspective or from a team perspective, and just how helpful were those those three games to get you pumped and ready for the the following first full year as a pro? I think it was essential for me um, going in there and just being able to be around the guys, see what the pro hockey life looks like, um, black ace in there, and then getting those three games was, was very eye-opening for me. And uh, um, I remember taking a couple big checks that I hadn't taken in a, in a few years in college and, uh, you know, getting my first assist and uh, just seeing the level of play that uh, the AHL was, uh, was huge for me because that's what I was thinking about all summer when I was training. Um, and I think that that just gave me a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an edge on guys that don't get that opportunity. Um, and I was uh, definitely, I think it was important for my career to get those three games. Yeah. So, Mikey, you might have been taking a sneak peek at my notes before we called you up here today because uh, I wanted to ask you about two of the things that you just mentioned. So, game one was in Ontario. That's great. Game two was in Baco. I, I mean, you know, it's Baco. It is what it is. Uh, game three was down in beautiful San Diego against the Gulls. And from what I understand, you weren't too familiar with the rivalry at that point. No fault of your own, but that's a big tilt, you know, the rain versus the Gulls. Yeah. And uh, I'm told you're out there, you're curling, dragging the puck, and your teammates started freaking out because uh, Mike the assassin as he's known Leambus well he nearly took your head off twice and apparently they told you either get your head up or tighten your chin strap before decapitation yeah I got absolutely clocked at center ice by uh, Leambus uh, I think he's on Iowa now but that was a heavyweight bout between uh, that, that rain team and that goals team and um, something I wasn't ready for so instead of coming to the bench and getting a hey are you all right you, you doing all right like obviously I wasn't injured but uh, that's, I remember being pretty pretty mad at me for having my head down at center ice. So um, I don't think it happened the next season uh, really once like that. So uh, <laughs> I definitely um, got a good licking and a good taste of what the AHL is like. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it was um, Subban that uh, stood up for me, and I think he caught Leambus after that hit. <laughs> I, I think someone had to, but I was just uh, surprised that, you know, uh, a black ace came in and, and, a, and a guy fought for me like that. So that's something that I've always kind of held on to too and try to stand up for my teammates and, and uh, not let anyone uh, take, a, take a lick on a teammate like that. But uh, yeah, I definitely learned to keep, gotta keep your head up in this league and I think I've, I think I've got that point across pretty quick there. You know, that's an interesting point that I was going to bring up later, but I just dovetail off of what you just said. It seems to me that there has been a change in your game. The The player that you were the first season doesn't seem to be the same type of player that you were last year. A, a, a definitive a feistiness in your game, and I'm just curious where that where that originated. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit of... Uh just a realization and a little bit of desperation. I'm here trying to make, uh, make the Kings. Um, to do that, you have to win with your AHL team and you have to play as a team there. Um, team success leads to individual success and, uh, and it doesn't go the other way around. So um, I think that going into my second year, um, I learned the team game. I learned the way Seth wanted me to play because uh, honestly, I don't think I was, you know, his specific type of player that he, uh, that he, you know, love to coach but uh i learned i learned his game and i um got better at it i worked at it and i uh, 
try to incorporate every detail he wanted of me into my game. And I think that, you know, with the coaching change this year, that's only going to help that I now have that, um, you know, other aspect of my game that I learned from Stutz over the two and a half, two years in those three games. And uh, I think even this year, um, there's an even new, new intensity that I have that uh, hopefully I can uh, showcase once we get this season started. Building on the, the, the relationship that you had with Stutz there, one thing that was certainly interesting to me was September of last year, the 2019 rookie tournament hosted by the Ducks down there in Irvine, um, in one of the games, there were a couple of key moments for me. One of them was uh, Austin Strand wore the C in one of the games, and you wore the A in that game. And I'm just curious, if I remember the story correctly, Stutz did not tell you guys in advance. I think you guys just saw it when you walked into the locker room. Is, does that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, we walked in and had the letters on. Yeah, and just what did that mean to you at the time? I remember talking to you about it, but I thought I'd just give you the opportunity to to talk about it here on the program. Um, what you know, what did that mean to you, and what did it say to you uh, when when you saw that? Because it certainly had to be a bit of a surprise. Uh, well, I think I didn't expect anything less than uh, Stutz to do that without telling us. Um, me and Stutz, we never had a, a huge dialogue, but we always had this uh, mutual respect where we knew where uh, we stood with each other. If he was happy with me or unhappy or. I was, uh, you know, bitter about, you know, getting scratched or taking off power play. And we didn't take it out. I think it was a really um, mature learning moment for me to go through that. And uh, that relationship I had with Stutz, I think it really helped me. And um, obviously getting the A in the rookie tournament, I, I, you know, I had a feeling it, it hadn't really crossed my mind. But uh, I wasn't too surprised just because, uh, you know, I knew I was a diligent, uh, hardworking um, kind of a leader type on that team, and um, I was, you know, I was, I was happy to wear it. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about how those those three games initially gave you that boost of confidence and gave it was really eye opening for you heading into the following season. And and without making too much of a you know preseason tournament, but those rookie tournaments are important. There were a lot of NHL scouts there, all of the LA Kings yeah. brass is there. So in the one game, you know, you're wearing the letter, and then uh, in the game against Colorado, also you had two goals in that game. And so I'm just curious what kind of a confidence booster that was, not only in the moment, but just kind of heading into the season. Um, that hey, all that work I put in over the summer, I've arrived. I'm here and I'm ready to go. It was huge. It was huge. I remember uh, it, I, I thought I played well that entire tournament. Um, and uh, I just wanted to do my best to treat it like a tryout and stick out. And, uh, you know, that meant, uh, you know, back-checking hard, forward-checking hard, and just trying to do my best to uh, win those games. And uh, I don't think we had as much success as we would have liked, but I think that there were a lot of bright spots and uh, especially for me individually there. So uh, I'm going to continue to try to build off those moments I have in those early camps and try to continue to turn heads and, um, you know, prove people, you know, who, what kind of player I am they can be. Well, you guys did not, quote-unquote, win the tournament, but I would certainly consider the tournament to be a little bit of a win because you guys played better than uh, the year before where the rain went 0-3 yeah. up in the tournament in Las Vegas. But we'll leave that for a different yeah. program. Um, just two other quick notes on, on your season last year that I want to ask you about. Uh, Sean Dersey, uh, just in the last couple of days here, um, coming off of a, a good first year as a rain player, he just uh, switched agents. And you, coming off of a good first year in the American League, you switched agents as well. And um, obviously, different agents, and you guys are different players. He's a defenseman and whatnot. But I'm just curious, uh, what was the reason for switching agents? And, and just sort of, has that helped you in any way whatsoever? Uh, for me personally, I switched agents because um, I went to a guy that 
I've had a relationship with since I was around 15, 16 years old when I was at T-Birds with uh, Angelo Ricci, who was my uh, who ran the Colorado Thunderbirds there. And uh, I just felt more comfortable being with a guy who's more it's more of a family feel at Norton Sports. And, um, you know, uh, I think it's more of a boutique agency, and I thought it fit me well. And uh, he's definitely, you know, um, delivered and um, done his best to help me uh, with what I need for uh, preparation for seasons and, um, you know, ups and downs of the season. I think that uh, um, he's definitely helped me have a level head uh, more so than uh, any other time in my life. That different players utilize their agents in different ways, and I'm just curious, do you have uh, frequent conversations with Scott Norton? Is, is it something that you have a pretty strong relationship with when you talk about a boutique agency and, and keeping a level head? So I'm imagining you guys are talking on a, on a more frequent basis than just like, you know, a check-in once every two months or so. Um, no, I'd say it's, uh, it's you know, we, we talk fairly often. It's more so just uh, texting, hey, how's it going here and there? Um, and... Uh, um, but it's nice to have because you have that uh, that relationship where it's more like a he's more like a friend and um, it's just nice talking to him. It's nothing uh, you know too serious. So it's not like I'm uh, venting or anything like that. And he's pretty he's pretty realistic about things. You know, he won't let me get away with uh, complaining or um, you know anything like that. So I think that that's just helped me uh, mature and um, realize what pro hockey is all about. And uh, I think it was an important time to do so uh, going into my second year. Yeah, so the the other point that I wanted to ask you about was uh, from last season is just before COVID hit, it was about, uh, what, mid-February, so February 16th, about a month before, you had a four-point night, and uh, it just seemed like your season was building a little bit of momentum. I mean, when you step back and look at it in totality, um, how disappointed, obviously, were you that, that the season came to an end the way that it did, and just kind of uh, what are some of the expectations that you would have had for the remaining part of the season? Yeah, I couldn't believe it when uh, I think our last trip. Yeah, our last trip was in Colorado, and um, we go home. Practice is canceled. Next thing you know, uh, guys are starting to head home, and uh, it didn't really hit me for a while that the season was just over like that. Um, but I think that for my season, I was. Um, I think I got scratched. You know, one of the first ten games of the season after having a pretty good start, and uh, just kind of a wake up call from Stutz. Nothing personal. And I think that that next game, I bounced back, had an assist in Stockton, and built from there. It was like game 11 or 13 or something, somewhere around there. And uh, continued to build and had my nights, like that four-point night where, uh, you know, my confidence was up. And I think that my confidence was up all season. Um, I was confident uh, making plays with the puck. And, you know, my hopes would have been to get that uh, that call from the Kings to, to go suit up for a game. Um you know, I like to think that that would have happened had the season not ended uh, abruptly like that. Uh, but uh, it's, hard, it's it's definitely hard to think about because you didn't get that opportunity if the season ended. So um, it, it's a nice thought, though, and definitely uh, trying to keep that momentum that I had eight months ago. But uh, it's obviously tough. It's been yeah. a while. Hey, Mikey, so when you look at some of the quotes from Blake and from Glenn Murray about how you've progressed in, in the second half of last season, like, and now – it's nine months or maybe going on 10 or 11 months since you play a hockey game. How do you build off that? Not even physically, but like emotionally knowing that you haven't been on the ice in a competitive hockey game for that long. Well, I think that uh, I've tried to build confidence in other ways because I can't go out and uh, compete in a game right now or um, any sort of exhibition. So uh, the way I build confidence is in the gym, um, 
working as hard as I can. I build confidence in the kitchen by eating as much as, as, as uh, well as I can, as clean as I can. I try to take care of my body as much as I can. And all that stuff leads to more confidence. So I'm hoping that as this transition and the training camp comes, that uh, I'll be ready to go 100% and uh, feeling that momentum from last year and trying to build off uh, what I did and um, earn those comments again from from uh, from the staff. And uh, I think that, I want to prove that I deserve more. I deserve an opportunity. And um, just humbly, I want to go in there and show what I'm all about and uh, hopefully see what happens. So, Mikey, thanks again for your time today and joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, a couple more here to just follow up and close things out, and we'll let you get back to training or to the kitchen or or to go find that future wife of yours. Um, the, the, yeah. co- the coaching change, uh, Stutz, you, you've referenced him a few times throughout this, and I'm, I'm just wondering, when you think back about your time with Stutz, um, what are some of sort of the high points? What are the things that you take away uh, from, from that relationship that you, that you had with them or just time that you spent with them? Um, well, I think the number one thing that, I've, uh, that I'm going to take away from my two years with Stutz is going to be preparation and practice. Um, I think uh, I don't. I don't know. Another, I don't know if there's another coach that uh, expects more in practice and preparation and stuff. Our practices were intense. They were hard. We were tired, and um, you had to be on on the ball at all times. And it, it, it was tough for young guys to learn. You either learn it or you don't. And luckily, I think I learned it quickly. I think he'd attest to that. And uh, so um, that's just that intensity that I have in practice and preparation. I'm going to try to uh, continue with no matter who the coach is. And um, I, that's uh, the biggest thing I can take away from him, but also on the ice, uh, what he expects, how hard he expects you to work, the physicality he expects. I think that that's something everyone can bring, no matter how big you are. He doesn't expect big hits, but uh, definitely uh, learned a lot about um, physicality as well. And in your text messages, has he hit you with a couple emojis? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had an emoji from him. <laughs> Well, I felt. I, I don't felt, know if he knows where that button is. Oh, he does. No, I, I, the funniest. There's not very many funny things about Stutz because, like you say, he's such an intense guy, right? He can he can be rather intimidating. But nearly every text I get from him includes some sort of an emoji, and it always makes me laugh. I, I he just I, I'm with you. I I would have bet large sums of money that he doesn't know where the emoji keyboard is, but he does, and he has <laughs> he has a very good use of uh, uh, emojis. So uh, anyway, uh, well, that's, I'll wish him. I'll wish him a Merry Christmas and uh, see what I get back. There you go. If you get anything less than an emoji Christmas tree or a Santa, I will be highly disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I need it. <laughs> yes, that's is amazing. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'm sure he'll be listening, so he'll have to hit you with a, a Christmas emoji. Um, switching yeah. gears, uh, you know, we, you also referenced the coaching change earlier, and uh, we had John Robleski on uh, right after it was officially announced that he would be taking over as the coach of the Ontario Reign. And, um, one of the little interesting things that, that came up during the conversation was his love for music. So uh, he's more of a Guns N' Roses kind of Metallica guy. Uh, so probably falls okay. more on my side of the musical spectrum. I'm not sure where he falls as a deadhead. You can you can get into that. But I'm curious uh, from a player's perspective, when you start to hear the rumors, um, because we know you read Mayor's Manor, so you, we know that you had the inside scoop on, on what was happening. When you start to see that, hey, this is the guy who's probably going to be my coach, do you do any research? Do you ask some people, Hey, what's it like? What's this guy like? You know, um, do you read any articles on him, or, or, or do you just wait for that first phone call or that first meeting to, to form your own impression? Well, I think you obviously have to wait to form your own first impression. Um, 
I haven't had the chance to speak with him yet, but I've spoke with a lot of, uh, you know, old friends that have played with him at the program or um, wherever else. And uh, I haven't heard a bad thing about him. I think that he's a great players coach from what I hear. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be an adjustment from Stutz, but uh, I think that I'm, it's, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to meet him. I'm excited to see what his practice is like. Yeah. It, uh, well, hopefully you'll be meeting him soon because hopefully we'll get some official uh, right. re- reports on, on when camp can begin. It looks like it'll be right after the first of the year, so you'll have a couple more weeks mm-hmm. here to enjoy Christmas and, and all of those uh, those holiday text messages. But last uh, last question for you then, just big picture. When you think about this upcoming season, you, you've made reference to wanting to make an impression and um, you, you know ultimately make the LA Kings roster, You know, play in some NHL games. Uh, what, what sort of goals do you have? Do you set statistical goals? goals for yourself or do you have any more specific goals heading into this coming season i think it's a tough year to set uh anything too specific with uh you know not knowing how many games are going to be played and uh, you know you know the chances are going up and down um i'm not sure what the season will look like but my you know on the in a, on a, in a bigger picture my goal is to obviously make the kings if not get some games and get some experience so um that's my goal that's what i'm training for that's what I'm going to be skating for here in in a, in a couple of days and uh, you know hopefully it all works out but I'm just trying to uh, you know show my maturity and um, on and off the ice and uh, continue to show that I'm growing as a player and a person and um, I think that that that'll make me happy enough all right, Mikey. Great first job in your uh, or your great job in your first appearance here on Kings of the Podcast. We certainly appreciate it. I'll be looking for that text message if after you talk to your people. If you decide you yeah. want to go through a rebranding, we'll we'll help you with that. And um, enjoy these next couple yeah. of weeks. And I'm sure we'll be we'll be seeing you at the rink uh, at the beginning of 2021. And we look forward to it. All right. Happy holidays. All right. Thanks there you guys. go, Mikey Acimont. We will talk more about that on the other side of the break. to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. It's a great tune right there. Welcome back for the third period. Dennis Bernstein, uh, we just wrapped up there in the second with Mikey Acemont. What would you think about Mikey? I'm wondering your opinion on his music selection of The Grateful Dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have much of an opinion. I've never really been a deadhead. It's not my... Uh, <laughs> Not my scene, but uh, I, I, I respect his passion for music, so passionate about his band that uh, he decided to get some ink uh, to, you know, have, have it forever with him. So uh, I don't know. If he ever has me over for dinner, I will probably <laughs> politely ask him to, to uh, you know, change the CD. Uh, he said he likes to put that on while he's cooking. So either that or maybe I'll arrive after the meal is already prepared. You know, Jay, it, it's great to talk to him because, you know, we talk so much about the very high-end prospects but this is a kid that has a legitimate shot to make an influence in this organization and we don't really talk about it much so it's great to uh, bring him on talk to him about his process and he sounds like a, a really down to earth kid who's really progressed from year one to year two in the organization 
Yeah, he is one of those kind of sleeper guys in the organization. You're right, DB. Yeah. He doesn't get a lot of the headlines like a Turcotte or even a, a Mikey Anderson, for that matter. He's one of those mid-round picks um, that has you know been around for a, a couple of years now, and he's just developed on his own timetable. And I, I just you know you you mentioned. The, the comments from Rob Blake and, and a few of the others, Glenn Murray and whatnot. And that's what I really keep coming back to is that Mike Stuthers, the former coach in Ontario, routinely commented and complimented him throughout last season. And that was something that was in, in, in stark contrast to the year before. It wasn't that they were saying bad things about him during his rookie season. It's just that he wasn't being called out and, and applauded for his play. So he did make significant changes, not only uh, in changing his agent, but changing his approach to the game and adding a different element to his game. And so I, I thought it was very interesting that he uh, talked openly about the type of player and the style that Stuthers wanted him to play and acknowledge that now he has a new coach coming in and we'll have to see how he can establish a relationship with Robleski and how he will be utilized as well because it's so interesting, as so often happens in the American League, you go very, very quickly from being a young player on a team to one of the veterans. So, you know, he has two seasons right. under his belt and with all of these young kids coming in, Turcotte and Thomas and Dudas, etc., now all of a sudden Mikey Asimon is one of the kids that is almost a veteran you know, he's one of the more experienced players on the team. And so he'll be expected to play a different role. And it will be very interesting to see if, in fact, he does uh, get a call up because he was in the mix, at least in that conversation for a potential call up at the end of last year. All right, moving along here, DB, a little bit of news, uh, and this is kind of going to be a a, a twofold thing here. Not only are we going to talk about Manscaped for just a moment, but we're going to talk about a contest that we're getting ready to roll out, and uh, people have not heard about this up until right now, so this is some pretty exciting news that we're going to share. First off, Dennis, you know Christmas is almost here, so for all of our listeners that are looking for the ultimate stocking stuffer for this holiday season, they can look no further than, of course, our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped has all the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant contest competition and uh, we've been singing the praises of manscape for quite some time db we love the products they're the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products uh and also some great news they just released some products in canada as well or actually all of their products in canada as well so um some of their prime stocking stuffers this season include the crop preserver there's the crop reviver which they say is going to make you smell like a little slice of heaven with aloe vera and uh, hazel extracts that's interesting uh the crop crop cleanser body wash which is a full body wash that you can also use on your hair we know you know men are lazy right we're in the shower just want a one-stop shop if it can do everything there you go so can't go wrong with the crop cleanser body wash you also have the foot duster which we haven't spent a great deal of time talking about that's their foot deodorant designed to keep even the stankiest feet smelling fresh and then the shears 2.0 which is their luxury four-piece nail kit many many more items db including the lawnmower 3.0 which features the ceramic blades and the dennis bernstein approved led light yes uh you can get My favorite feature john <laughs> that's exactly. right Thank you. i can't wait until your face is featured in their advertising regarding this uh you know <laughs> db approved um you can get uh 20 off plus free shipping at manscape.com using the code kotp2020 and listeners i do call to your attention that that code is only good for a couple more weeks so please do that get 20 off and free shipping at manscaped.com whether it's for your partner your dad your brother your friend your neighbor get them something that they will actually use and and it's almost sure to get a laugh as well. So 20% off with KOTP 2020 at manscaped.com. Now, Dennis, on to the second part of that, this contest, we are going to give away some Manscaped product. We're going to give away a t-shirt and also the Shears 2.0 kit. 
And the way this is going to work, it's going to be pretty simple. We're going to announce this officially uh, with an entry form on mayorsmanor.com. People, it's very simple. You put in your name and your email address and you submit your entry into the contest. However, for listeners only, we will only mention this on the air. So the only way to know about this is if you're listening to the podcast, we will give you additional entries if you retweet the show uh, over social media. So for example, uh, Dennis, when I tweet out, hey, you know, there's a brand new Kings of the Podcast, here's the episode and here's the link. If you retweet that, we will consider that to be an extra entry. And if you uh, do the same thing on either uh, Instagram or Facebook, and so if you help spread the word of the show, we will count those as extra entries into the contest. And uh, the contest is going to run through 1231, so it's going to run for a couple weeks here to wrap up the uh, the end of the year. So the, the items will not be delivered to you before Christmas. Uh, but it'll be like a little bonus. So you'll get all of your other Christmas presents or Hanukkah presents or whatever holiday you celebrate. And then right after the first of the year, if you're lucky enough to win the contest, then there'll be a nice little package that'll be delivered from Manscaped to your home. And uh, there you go. A nice little first of the first of the new year gift for you. And besides, John, you want to start off. You want to end 2020. We, we all want to end it. So start 2021 off right with a little gift from manscaped so i i, I like the tame the timing of the contest yes let's let's end the year strong and then move into what hopefully should be a fantastic 2021 yes. and uh dennis can't wait to be in the same room with you again and 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 uh sharing a bunch of laughs like we normally have hey dennis though uh before we get to 2021 you have a little bit of breaking news also regarding nhl network radio you want to share it with everybody yeah, we are bringing back the hot stove on Saturdays. This will be our first. We did one show in the middle of um, November, John, just to shake off a little bit of rust. But we're br- coming back for this season um, this Saturday, the 13th, at um, I guess most of our fans listen uh, in L.A. So it will be uh, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Um, Pacific time, 11 to 1 uh, Eastern. Myself, Dave Pagnota, Ryan Payton, uh, the usual cast of characters. I'm sure if we don't have you on the first show, We'll have you on the second show to talk about uh, the coming season. But, uh, yeah, look up for us back uh, this Saturday on SiriusXM. Yeah, well, uh, Dennis, just to let you know, my calendar is going to be filling up quickly. So this Saturday's fine. Next Saturday, which I think uh, you have to be careful because the Broncos are playing on the That's 19th. Right. But here's the beauty of it. Thank you to the NFL because World Junior Exhibition season kicks right. off on the 20th. And so they were kind yes. enough on Sunday the 20th to make sure that all the Bronco or the, the Bronco game that weekend, excuse me, was scheduled for the Saturday, the 19th. So uh, I think the game's in the afternoon. So uh, you should be clear. But yeah, let me know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's all about me, Dennis. Moving on totally. to, I get it, man. I get it. It's you. Look, look, as advertised, I get it. Like, not everyone gets it, John. I get it. I understand. We're moving oh. into my time of the year. This is World Juniors. We've been waiting. That's right. Exactly. Larry, <laughs> been, been, been waiting the last two months. I'll be yes. I haven't talked to Mo- World Juniors more in my life than the last two months with you. That's why I had to clip that quote of you the other day saying that you're looking forward yes. to December 25th. I don't think you've ever actually uttered those words before. I'm looking forward to December 25th. It was perfect. You are correct, John. It was perfect. Uh, hey, speaking of timely, we mentioned earlier that we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, December 9th, and, and the show will publish immediately. But I know that some people, there's a little bit of a lag time uh, in terms of listening. But uh, earlier today, Forbes came out with their annual list of franchise value and the LA Kings remain at number six on the list. Uh, Basically the same place they've been 
uh, same place they were last year and have been for a while. The New York Rangers continue to be the uh, franchise that is worth the most in terms of value. They slotted the Kings in at $825 million. Um, uh, the top five teams were all worth at least $1 billion. There was a 3% drop-off in team value. None of the five, interestingly enough, none of the top five teams, Dennis, uh, had a, a percentage change in value. They, they said all five of those teams retained their value equally. Um, the Kings and a couple of other teams below them all dropped 3%. There were some other teams lower on the list that had dropped double-digit numbers. And I don't know if you happen to uh, have read my tweet on this, Dennis, but what I found interesting is the Kings were actually rated higher in terms of operating income and revenue. Yes, um, so there's a, little bit of, there's a little bit of debt uh, to value on, on the ratio there um, that, is, that is bringing them into number five. So the... Uh, the revenue and the operating income is there, which is uh, which is fine. So very interesting uh, to see the LA Kings up that high at number six, which, you know, they were there last year as well. I just mean in general, normally when you think about the National Hockey League and the franchises that are worth the most amount of money, uh, you, you would think of, you know, the original six and the teams that have been around and the teams that are in more traditional hockey markets. But the Kings are really holding strong uh, for, you know, two years now being ranked in no, at number six. So just sitting outside the top five. And they run their business well, John, because, of, you know, an operating profit and that's with less games and no postseason. So that's good to know that. Uh, and John, I mean, it, it's pretty, pretty assumptive here. You assume that with the AGs, the owner, they're going to be on solid financial ground. So they're going to take the necessary steps to keep this team, um, you know, competitive with respect to uh, spending money when the time is right. Yeah, for sure. They are not expected to be at the top of the salary cap this season or maybe possibly even the season after, but they are really poised from a cap perspective to spend significantly when the timing is right uh, as this team gets better here over the next couple of years. Uh, people always, they love lists, Dennis. People love lists. Top 10 this, top yes. 10 that, bottom five. So might as well also tell you who is in the uh, the rest of the list there. So number one, of course, as I mentioned, was the New York Rangers. Uh, you'd be foolish if you didn't know that number two would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and then number Number three, Montreal. Number four, Chicago. Five, Boston. And then, like I mentioned, the Kings are listed at six. You have the Flyers at seven, Detroit at eight, Washington nine, and Vancouver ten. So just look at that. All of the large, major Canadian markets are represented there. And then also all of the, um, you know, most storied franchises uh, that are here in the States from the Rangers, the Blackhawks, the Bruins, etc., are all there. And, of course, people are wondering, I'm sure, who's rounding out down at the bottom of the list. The Arizona Coyotes came in at number 31. Uh, with about a fourth of the value of the LA Kings, which is a significant vari- uh, variance between those two. Florida was 30, the uh, Blue Jackets were 29, the Sabres 28, which uh, we talked about the Pagulas a couple of episodes ago, and I'm sure ha- that has to be disheartening with all the uh, money that they put into that uh, franchise over the last couple of years to try to get things yeah. jump-started there. And then Winnipeg and Ottawa down there at the bottom. I was surprised to see Nashville at 25, Dennis, and Colorado at 22. So really down in the bottom third of the league. Um, that was a little bit surprising. Yeah, you would think, because especially Nashville, because you know they sell the building out, great fan base, but it's it's still a small market. So it's probably a function of TV money and just local advertising. It's an inexpensive place to live, John, so I guess accordingly they can't scale up the the revenues that much. Yeah, and the Ducks were 23rd, for those that were wondering. Uh, you, you think about some of the other larger market teams like the New York Islanders, they were sitting there at number 16, and you have to think that the value of that franchise is going to change significantly, just like you saw the value of the LA 
Kings changed when they moved from Inglewood into downtown oh. and what they were able to do. You think about what the Islanders are going to be able to do out there at Belmont with that whole new facility. That's just going to continue to grow. And uh, Vegas has a, a solid foothold there um, in Nevada. They are already ranked number 13. And you just think about with all the money they're investing into youth programs, the American Hockey League and everything else that's happening there. It wouldn't surprise me to see Vegas in terms of value to be in the top 10 as early as next year, uh, if not maybe the year after. And that's really saying something for a franchise that hasn't been around for many, many years to already be in the top 10 uh, in terms of value in the NHL. And that's part of the reason that uh, David Bonderman ponied up the money in Seattle. I'm interested to see once they get in where they're going to stand on these standings as well a couple seasons in. Yeah, and the uh, the Seattle expansion draft, of course, is, is going to be here before we know it. We don't know the official timing of that because it's due to take place at the end of the 2021 season. Uh, and uh, so just sort of speaking of that, Dennis, the the big news item of the week is, is the NHL's return to play, which looks like it's going to be somewhere around January 15th, and there are going to be four divisions. You're going to have the Western Division. I, I had previously referred to it as the Pacific Division, you know, the revised Pacific Division, but it looks like they're going to go with the Western Division and uh, then you have three other divisions, two others here in the States, and then an all-Canadian division, which will be interesting in and of itself. I'm sure Canada will love that. But, Dennis, this is what I really wanted to talk about relative to the return to play, um, and that is, does it is there any sort of advantage or a disadvantage for the LA Kings and, and with their uh, potential to uh, make the playoffs this coming season? So what's happening essentially is, in the Pacific Division, you're trading out three teams for three other teams. So you're trading out Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, and you're going to be replacing them. Originally, it looked like they were going to be replaced by Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota. And then now it looks like they're going to be replaced by Colorado, Dallas, and St. Louis. I would argue that they would have been better off if Minnesota was in there. Uh, it looks like the Kings have some, some tough sledding to do, at least in my opinion, replacing Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver in their division with Colorado, Dallas, and St. Louis. Your thoughts? On same page, Don. That that the the move St. Louis for Minnesota, that th- those are the four teams. You got four teams are going to make it. Four that's not. There would have been opportunity with Minnesota to be playing for a playoff spot. I think late in the season. Now, mm-hmm. I'm locking in those four teams. And the addition of St. Louis really hampers their ability to do it. But again, if if that wasn't the goal, John, and just being playing games of importance in the second half or the, the last quarter of the season, then you got to got to refocus. But yeah, I, I think the St. Louis move into the division is really going to make it a lot, lot harder. Yeah. I mean, so you, you, you think that the way this has not been made official yet, not only the division, the teams in the division, but also the, the playoff format. But from what we're hearing, Dennis, it looks like it's going to be four teams will qualify for the playoffs right. from each division um, because it's kind of impossible to do the wild card card scenario with, the, you know, the all Canadian division and whatnot and, and the crossover. So if four teams are coming out of the Western Conference, you take Vegas, you take St. Louis, Dallas and Colorado. And then for the Kings, you know, they would have to beat out one of those four teams um, where if you remove St. Louis from the conversation and now you're talking about, OK, well, Colorado's probably in Dallas is probably in Vegas is probably in who's going to get that fourth spot. You can at least, I think, create an interesting conversation around, well, you know, maybe Minnesota, maybe the Kings, maybe maybe Arizona, um, you know, may, maybe uh, one of the other teams. Uh, but, you, you know, you probably could immediately cross off Anaheim and, and most likely cross off San Jose in that conversation. So it becomes an interesting conversation. But when you slide St. Louis in there, and now you're talking about any of those other teams in the division having to pass St. Louis, Dallas, Colorado, or Vegas, 
in a 56-game season or in an 86-game season, it becomes very, very difficult, Dennis. You know, Jay, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but last night Tampa Bay celebrated the division uh, championship. (laughs) I did not notice that. Did you look at that division? Are you kidding me? (laughs) They'll they'll have it clinched by... um, by March 1st. <laughs> Before the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. They, they got to buy into the conference final. You know that? That's what they did. For one in the Stanley Cup. Hey. Here's the division going to play. And they're like, good. Really? What they, about the other teams? Holy well, cow. Hey, they, they should they should be so lucky coming out of winning a Stanley Cup in an empty arena right. where they couldn't even celebrate with their fans. They still haven't had a parade. So at the very least, give them the easiest division. I'm all for it. See, Batman is making all sorts of great decisions lately, Dennis. I mean, this the, this yeah. whole idea of putting the league or the season to start it after World Juniors, fantastic. Right. Kudos to Gary. They listen you, to you, John. I, I, well, look, I texted him, Dennis. I counted the other night. 87 times I had sent the same text to <laughs> Gary Bettman. He has yet to reply to any of them, which doesn't hurt my feelings because I think he's just been busy with the owners. And I'm sure at some point, perhaps Christmas week, at some point, he'll 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 lob me off a text and just, you know, Maybe, maybe there'll be like a fist bump emoji or something. But, yeah, he listened to that. He listened, obviously, to the owners in Tampa and said, hey, you know, chip us off a little something extra. So good for them. I, I Look, I think it's going to be fantastic. You know, uh, I, I, I guess I just choose to be an optimistic person, people, uh, per, uh, person Dennis. People want to complain yeah. about 56 games. They want to complain about this, the all-Canadian oh, division. It. Enough with the complaining already, people. I mean, I'm tired of streaming shows on Netflix, and I'm tired of being quarantined in the house. Give me something to talk about, right. something to think about. And, man, Calgary and, and Vancouver. Over in the same division with Montreal and Toronto, totally. sign me up. Let's go. Fantastic. Yeah. And Jay, the one thing though, if they're going to do reverse retro this year, then go all the way reverse retro and name the divisions Adam Smythe, Patrick, and Norris. Oh, Let's go, Dennis. That has been the best idea that you have brought forward in quite some time. That Ever. would be amazing. That would be oh, that would Teams be wonderful. Playing in the Smythe division. Let's go. Do you know how amazing that would be? Yeah, that would be. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be true Smythe, of course, because uh, just because of, of the teams that were involved. But still, just to bring those team names back. Look, I understand why they did it. At the time when they did it, the NHL was so far behind, in, especially in the United States, in terms of visibility uh, to, to, the, to the average sports fan. But so much of that has changed over the last 20 years. And I think it's time to bring back some of the uniqueness to the sport. And I think yes. it'll help attract people to the game instead of driving them away. You know, the, the whole watered-down Pacific Division, Western Conference, it's it's the same as every other sport. Like, be creative. Right. Do something different. Absolutely. So, yeah. Branding, John. I, we always talk about that. Yeah, I love it. Let's do it. Smythe Division. So here, we're going to help We're gonna help young Mikey rebrand himself uh, as Michael Isimon or Isimon, and uh, we will help the NHL rebrand. Yes, bring back the Smite Division. I'm all for it, Dennis. I'm going to send you a dollar. That was a great idea. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Hey, uh, look, we were talking World Juniors earlier, and until the uh, NHL returns in uh, in late January, we still don't have an ETA for when the fans will be back in the stands, Dennis. Um, and as we were talking about, the Seattle expansion draft will take place at the conclusion. Uh, so most likely you're talking about uh, summer of next, you know, next summer, like July time right. frame, uh, may- maybe even August. Who knows how they'll do it? They may not wait till after the Olympics or something. You never know with the NHL. But um, the good news is this, Dennis, is that until the league starts back up after the first of the year, you still have an opportunity to see some Kings prospects on TV. So I know that a lot of the 
the college prospects recently have left, and they're now with uh, uh, their respective camps for the World Juniors coming up. Next week, uh, you're going to get a chance to see Andre Lee and Ben Meehan. We had Andre Lee on the program recently. Um, that They play for uh, UMass Lowell, and they're going to kick their season off, and they're going to be on TV. I'll tweet that out. That'll be great. And then coming up next Sunday, as I mentioned, uh, the World Junior Exhibition Games will be on uh, the NHL Network. And these aren't like normal preseason games because these games really help set the tone for a lot of these players heading into what is a short tournament just five days later. So each team will play two games, two exhibition games. Team USA kicks off their exhibition season on Sunday. That is, I believe, a 3 p.m. local game here in Southern California. That'll be on NHL Network against Switzerland. And then later that night, Finland has a game. And of course, the Kings have prospects on both of those teams. And then uh, Team Canada is scheduled to play Sweden the following day, which is Monday. That game will also be televised. And the Kings have prospects on all of those or both of those teams um, as well. So you have a chance to see some Kings prospects on TV. And Dennis, speaking of Team Canada, you know, we had uh, John Van Beesbrook on the program recently, who, of yes. course, is the general manager of Team USA, which was great. He helped give a Team USA uh, perspective on the World Junior Championships. Uh, proud to announce that we're going to have Alan Miller, who is the essentially the general manager of Team Canada. He's going to be joining us on the program uh, later this week. And so he'll be able to talk not only about the WJC, but to talk about some people that people uh, here in L.A. might have heard of. Quentin Byfield, Jordan Spence, <laughs> and Dennis, we are... Um, we're even going to talk a little bit of uh, Motley Crue with him. So, so how, oh. how you ask, how is that all related? How? Yes, I would say stay tuned for that on the next program. And uh, uh, Dennis, just to wrap up here today on the music front, earlier today we shared some new music from Greta Van Fleet. That was great. Uh, that goes out to our buddy Josh Cooper. And uh, we're going to close out the show today with a new-ish track from Bad Cop, Bad Cop, which is an all-female uh, punk band. So that's some good stuff. Uh, Dennis, another great show. Fun talking to Mikey. I love your idea about Smite Division. Uh, try to come up with another fresh idea before our, our, our next program. I'll effort that right now, John. <laughs> All right, DB. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.